0: One of the things always required in a good paper is a conclusion. Conclusions are not my favorite part of a paper, speech, or even a sermon. I really feel like I should have already said everything necessary, so there shouldn't be any need to summarize it again and wrap it up. But a good conclusion isn't just a tagged-on summary. It can actually tie everything together. We have our weekly and monthly prayer guide that we ask all of our members to pray. Six days a week we pray these prayers, either as written or as a springboard for deeper prayer, and we have spent six weeks going over what makes each of these prayer topics important. Prayer for leadership is our final topic on our prayer schedule, and when I first developed this schedule, I felt like praying for leadership was a tagged-on item, not a great conclusion. The Bible certainly commands us to pray for leaders, but that didn't seem as important to me as our other five topics, which are very mission-minded. However, for this sermon, I went deeper into 1 Timothy chapter 2, looking at the reason for the prayer instead of the cultural issues that typically are the focus of that chapter. And I discovered that praying for leaders is missional for the church. After my study, I rewrote our six-model prayer to be better aligned with God's purpose. Let's read 1 Timothy 2, 1-8. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and for all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior. Who wants everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. For this I was appointed a herald, an apostle, I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore I want the men in every place to pray. Lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. The start of this command is pray for everyone. The Apostle Paul seems to command four types of prayers to be offered petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. Petitions are making requests to God or a person, but the context of this command is to make requests to God because of the next word, prayers. Prayers refers to the place and group of people praying, as well as the direction of prayer, which is always toward God. Intercessions are interviews or coming together for a conversation. Thanksgiving means showing gratitude. Paul lists these four nouns in a row, so it could be four ways to pray. Asking, worshiping, listening, and giving thanks. This could also be one act of prayer. Paul could be saying, come together as a group and direct your prayers toward God. Make your requests and then dialogue with God about the answers. When the answers from God are revealed, give thanks. And then this act of corporate prayer is complete. I like the second corporate prayer way of looking at this because Paul repeats this idea of praying together as important in verse 8. It's also not an individual prayer because the call is to pray for everyone. That small preposition for means on behalf of another. It has the literal picture of being above the other person. The Greek word we get, it's from where we get our word hyper, which means above in energy. So in this picture, if one person is praying for another The person praying puts themselves in a mediator position between the person being prayed for and God. Paul says this is done for all human beings. This is why it has to be a group prayer command for us. Because there's only one individual who can stand as a mediator between God and humans, which Paul names in verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. Jesus, the one mediator, calls his church to this priesthood of praying for everyone in the world. But good prayer is also specific. So Paul tells us a specific way to pray for everyone, praying for the leaders of all humanity. Kings and all who are are in authority. Kings in its plainest meanings are the leaders of the people. But there is a specific national authority to the word. This is the same word Pilate used when he asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate wasn't just asking if Jesus led some or even all the Jews, but did he have divine and or governmental authority to lead the nation? Praying for all who are in authority is a catch-all combination word for anyone who is put above others to lead. The word combination in Greek is the same word hyper, which we discussed already, and the word echo, which means to have. Pray for anyone who has it over another person because people who have something or someone presumes taking responsibility for that someone or something. God's people come together to pray on behalf of people who have responsibility for others, whether that person has governmental or other authority over people. And when we pray, we make our request to God. Wait for the answer. And give thanks for the answer. This does not seem like a quick prayer to me because we remain in prayer listening until we get an answer. This is dedicated time and repeated times of prayer. This week I went to George Floyd Square. It's interesting that even though the trial of Derek Chauvin is over and he was found guilty, that block around Cup Foods where Floyd was killed is still blocked off. A degree of justice has been handed out, yet people are still waiting for something. People are not waiting for a permanent memorial for George Floyd because there are pictures there of many people who have lost their lives. And it's not just black people awaiting something because all people of the community, regardless of ethnicity, are there protecting, educated, and serving in the space. I believe one reason the space is still occupied is because the community is waiting for a response from their leaders and from society. The question is not, what, do we, what will we do about George Floyd, but what will be done about violence and dehumanization? That requires a bigger answer than, we will put one person in jail. The answer needs to affect everyone. The church is supposed to pray for everyone. And one of the ways to specifically do that is to pray for human leaders. High government leaders like presidents and governors, or anyone who leads people. The chief of police, or a fire, or all the police and firefighters. The pastor of the church, and all the church leaders. Teachers, public school or Sunday school, and parents. The adult scout leader, and the student who leads. When we change the hearts and minds of leaders, we start to change society. We should still vote, but prayer is bigger and more powerful than voting. Proverbs 21.1 says a king's heart is like channeled water in the Lord's hand. He directs it wherever he chooses. God is stronger than the Constitution or a recall vote. Even though praying for leaders narrows it down a lot from praying for every human being, that's still a lot of people. How do I pray specifically for all those leaders? Paul gives us an answer. Pray for peace. This also sounds like an overly broad subject to pray about, but Paul is working towards something very specific. He says we pray for our leaders so that we can live peacefully, for our lives to have tranquility, quiet, godliness, and dignity. Again, a four-part list, this time of adjectives. Tranquil and quiet are related and don't have anything to do with the absence of sound but the absence of being disturbed. Paul wants us to be able to live godly, holy lives such that we can give proper honor and glory to God without interruption. If we can live in this way, the church as a group and individuals within the church have peace with God. This just makes sense. If we can live in a way that gives God honor and glory, God is pleased. But here's where we get specific with the prayer. I don't pray for an undisturbed life just so that my life will be good or so that, so that other Christians' lives will be good. If Jesus' followers are able to live in complete obedience to God, undisturbed, then one of the things we will be unhindered in doing is making more disciples. My prayers are not about me or us having peace with God. Romans 5, one says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. My prayers, therefore, are that everyone else obtains this peace with God, for everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, which is through Christ Jesus. Paul is saying fulfilling the Great Commission is easier when secular leaders let Christians go about their business of living for God. It's not that the government has to promote Christianity. Paul is just saying... Pray that the government leaves us free to share the good news of salvation through Jesus, the ransom for all people, and himself the testimony of God. The Apostle Paul is a perfect example of as, as he was apostle to the Gentiles. When Paul first becomes a believer, Ananias is told in Acts 9.15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. Romans one 11 through 11-13 tells us that Paul wanted to go to Rome. So how does Paul fulfill this prophecy to take Jesus' name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites? Well, the Roman roads and the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, allowed him to travel pretty much anywhere. As an ethnic and religious Israelite, he could speak in the synagogues. As an educated, cross-cultural man, he could speak to the Gentiles. And how did Paul bring Jesus' name to kings? As a Roman citizen, he could be arrested and then appeal his case all the way up the authority chain of command to the emperor. Paul being arrested was part of the quiet and tranquil life of peace that he wanted because the system allowed him to share Jesus' name to people he wouldn't otherwise have access to. So for Paul, peace does not mean nothing bad ever happens to him but that he can peacefully navigate the system while remaining obedient to God and share Jesus with other people. He expresses this serenity with his situation in Philippians 4:11 through 13 I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. People usually define peace as an absence of conflict, but that may just be a ceasefire. Israel and Hamas have a ceasefire, but they do not have peace. A married couple may not be arguing, but that doesn't mean there is peace in the home. If people are not in a position to progress forward in love and understanding, there's no peace. But if people are moving forward, there is peace even amidst conflict. For leaders, we certainly can be praying for them to have wisdom and serve unselfishly. We can pray for them to come to faith in Jesus. Those requests are good, but don't necessarily require us to have a dialogue with God where I wait for answers. What we should pray is, God, show us how to navigate the system unhindered and godly so that we can share Jesus with more people. That's a question we need an answer to. We are praying that our leaders won't or can't hinder the progress of the gospel. We also pray for God to raise up and show us who are the new leaders in the church. The church in Acts 6 prayed that same way and it furthered the gospel. For me personally, the prayer sounds like, Lord, how do I work with the mayor, police, recreation department, and chamber of commerce to share Jesus with people? Lord, who do you want me to disciple? For someone else, it might be, Lord, how do I serve in my neighborhood or community or building so that I can share Jesus with people? Or how do I keep... Uh, My work, a professional place that my boss requires it to be and still share Jesus with people. When we get that answer and follow through, we are are obeying God, pleasing God, and making disciples. Now we know who to pray for and we know what to pray for. Paul's last point is how to pray. He says, pray in unity. Paul here gives a gender-specific command. He says he wants men, males, in every place to pray, to do so with uplifted holy hands without anger or argument. I don't believe Paul is giving a for-all-time command that only men and not women pray for those in authority so the church can share Jesus. All of Paul's letters are written in part to give corrective instructions. He is instructing the men to pray in this way because they weren't doing it. Because right after this, we have a different correction for women. We can safely assume that women were already praying for everyone, united and holy, but they had different spiritual and cultural issues that were hindering the work of the church. I believe this male or female instruction for us is no longer gender specific. If I'm in a group of people that doesn't pray, I need to start praying in unity. If I'm in a group of people, male or female that is immodest or usurping authority, I need to dress differently or submit. Regarding this prayer for those in authority, men everywhere should pray. This isn't the responsibility of one person. Every Christian and every church should be praying for ways to bring the name of Jesus to their society. When we pray, we should not be living as the world does, but as but holy and godly. James five sixteen says the prayer of the righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Our hands should be clean in a spiritual sense as we petition God about how to do His will. This prayer should also be without anger. We don't pray play, uh, excuse me we don't pray angrily about our leaders and our society, Lord smite President Biden or former President Trump. This prayer should be without argument. It's not that we don't discuss the solution with God and each other, but the answer must come from God, not from whoever wins the debate or argument. We pray to be led by the Holy Spirit. In a Charles Schultz Peanuts cartoon, Lucy demanded that Linus change the TV channels, threatening him with her fist if he didn't. What makes you think you can walk in here and take over, Linus asked. These five fingers, says Lucy, individually they're nothing, but when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Which channel do you want, asks Linus, turning away. He looks at his fingers and says, Why can't you guys get organized like that? People are quick to organize around anger, but often less quick to unify around solutions. Just as we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, we also have one unified mission that we must do together. The answer from God is never, each of you just do whatever you think is right. That's the type of thinking that led to sin in God's people Israel during the time of the judges. We work together as we pray together. This prayer ties up Every other prayer topic that we've prayed. The Holy Spirit's work for the lost, for our community, for multiplying disciples, and for church unity. The church prays together to make Jesus known in society. That's the prayer for leadership. John Wesley said, quote, I want the whole Christ for my Savior, the whole Bible for my book, the whole church for my fellowship, and the whole world for my mission field, end quote. If I want the world for my mission field, I need to pray and work together with the rest of you, the church, to seek answers to finding inroads into the world. Supposedly from the diary of John Wesley, I didn't have time to check the sources, but I really like this. Sunday a.m. May 5th, preached in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Sunday p.m. May 5th, preached in St. John's, deacon said, get out and stay out. Sunday a.m., May 12th, preaching in St. Jude's, can't go back there either. Sunday a.m., May 19th, preached in somebody St. Somebody Else's, deacons called a special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May 19th, preached on street, kicked off street. Sunday a.m., May 26th, preached in a meadow, chased out of meadow as bull was turned loose during service. Sunday a.m., June 2nd. Preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday PM, June 2nd, afternoon preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear me. Let's pray together on this Pentecost Sunday, like the first disciples, for ways to reach thousands who need to know the name of Jesus. Our psalm today is going to be Psalm 76. I'll pray from there and then into our new prayer for leaders. God, your majesty will be known everywhere on the earth. Even humans full of wrath will come to praise you. God is the one who humbles the spirit of leaders and is feared by the kings of the earth. God, our king, we thank you for making us citizens and workers in your kingdom. We know that the hearts of leaders are directed as you choose. We ask for peace in our world which allows the name of Jesus to spread and for the raising up spirit empowerment, and heavenly wisdom for leaders of your church, that they can lead us together to make Jesus known. Amen. I leave you with this blessing. Go forth and live as disciples, serving God with your whole being, knowing that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do great exploits in God's name.